When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. After a difficult yet enchanting four years, I finally got to graduate from Columbia University. Looking out at that sea of baby blue Columbia robes, I couldn't help but be grateful that I'd been able to achieve this moment and have my parents, my brother, my abuela in the crowd looking on. And yet I felt this bittersweetness that the guys who kept me from dropping out weren't among those faces. Because of how tightly packed this sea of people ends up being and the general chaos of the day, I didn't get to see them. The guys from the package center were the people I never got to say goodbye to that day. As I packed up my stuff into the car and we rolled on down to lower Manhattan, I didn't realize what life would become. While I knew I would have to get a day job and grind, I still at the time believed in the glamorized version of the dream. 
that with my theater degree from Columbia University and my own grit, it was only a matter of time that I'd get to act with some of my favorites, whether it be Karen Olivo, Chris Jackson, Viola Davis, and record with artists like Jake Cole, Jasmine Sullivan, the three tenors, and the likes. What I didn't realize is in this city of dreams, anything can truly happen. Just as much as you could dream to the top, there was a deeper bottom. Ralph was right when he described the city as concrete, gray, treeless. And everywhere you look, there can be piles of trash, and it smells like trash. On top of that, even your ears are overwhelmed. Sirens, cars honking, people... Yelling, crying, laughing, chatting, phones, blasting music on boomboxes. People say the most private moment you can cry is on the subway, because everyone will ignore you. While there are some New York magic moments, when you're in the city, everything costs a lot. Being someone who didn't come from money... A job was absolutely necessary, and the faster the better. But I still wanted to, and I had the privilege of, pursuing my dream, which was to be an artist, be an actor, be a creator. And in order to do that, I went hunting for what we call in the entertainment industry a day job. And that was so many things under the sun for me. I, at one point, was a reservationist, I was a receptionist, I was a server, and the reality was, in order to make ends meet in New York, even as a single person who has no one else to take care of, I was working crazy hours to not just make a living and not just pay off my student loan, but also to pursue my dream. And eventually, I fell into the tutoring and nannying world in New York City. Welcome to One Year Invisible. My name is Maria Fernanda Diez. But I know not everyone can roll their R, so it's also fine to call me Maria. In today's world, we love to tell stories about people who have reached the top, like people who have achieved positions of clout, wealth, power. On this show, I won't be doing that. One Year Invisible is my love letter to the working class and others who are seemingly invisible in our society. I hope to build a community here. That will inspire you to have generous conversations with others that are different from you. Conversations that might help you see life in an entirely different way. The tutoring and nannying world in New York City. It's actually a decent gig in many ways. You're paid a decent amount, right? Because it's New York and most of the families who are asking for your help are the upper echelon. One day at this photo shoot that I was at, I happened to mention a nanny and tutor for wealthy families. And this girl turns to me and she looks at me and she goes, oh, my God, I do, too. She's like, girl, I've been doing this for a long time. Let's chat. That person was Anisia. 
It's been a very interesting journey because I've been in different roles inside of household staffing. Mm -hmm. I started as a nanny and then household management. And then I went into being a private chef. Anicia did have a nine to five before working as a nanny and personal chef, but she has health issues which restrict what she's able to do. She had to change into something somewhat more flexible to accommodate the doctor appointments and all of these things that she has to do to maintain her own health. I do want to point out, though, too, that these jobs aren't always flexible. In every single arena, people get their boundaries pushed. We expect people to answer emails after hours, to be available on weekends. You can't take sick days, right? And that's in the regular workforce where there's HR departments, there's legal departments, there's a contract involved. Now imagine walking into a space where there's no contract, there's no HR, you don't necessarily clock in. So it's solely based off of the person who pays you. The more degrees of separation you have in between you and the family that you're working for, whether it's like your family friends or you overlap in culture or where you grew up, the more you get separated from that, the more invisible pieces of you become. Depending on where you sit on that ladder, the pay can be different. And at times you can then become, I hate using this term, but like the stereotypical help where they don't know you as people and you're seen to be there to just serve. Anisia being Nigerian-American and me being Mexican-American can mean different things when we walk in the room. We're both first-gen children of immigrants, but people who have gone to college and also an understanding of, yes, I need to work. I can't be without a job. But if I really needed to, I could leave this particular job. Today, Anisia and I are going to talk a little bit more about this complicated dance and different things we've seen throughout our experiences walking through the room with some privilege and some invisibility. More when we come back from a break. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. 
That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back to this show, doing these jobs. There's bonds that are awesome that you can form, and that's so beautiful. I know Anissa has this pair of kids that she's taken care of for a long time. She kind of terms them her best friends. They hang out all the time, even when she's not their nanny, and she's close with their parents. When clients are amazing, they're amazing. I have a family. They make me dinner every time I come over. Some families, you're not allowed to touch their food. Like, at all. Can't touch it. Even if you're there at dinner time. Can't even have a snack. And there's families who will be like, yeah, take whatever you want from the fridge. That's really loving in a really gentle kind of way. This is why I'm sharing this range is like sometimes the client can treat you like a person and be interested in your day. When you have such good people, you can be shocked when you don't have that. Like, wow, we just went from warmth to here's an ice bucket. Sometimes when you walk in to these homes, you become an object. You eventually find out there's a dehumanization that happens. And it's in these situations that you realize how unprotected folks who are a part of household staffs are. You don't even sign an independent contractor contract when you walk into these homes. There's a lot of verbal agreements and then there's like no unions There's no communication in between nannies unless you're like at the playground. And there's so many people who don't have anything else lined up or this is their only option. They're stuck 
in these places because of their immigration status, because of their financial situation, and don't have a voice or a platform or a safety net like I or Anisia do. A lot of what people experience as part of the household staff is invisible. I was telling a friend, most people interact with like executive CEOs or politicians or celebrities through their work, through a TV screen or like at your office or something like that. Nannies and sitters interact with these people like on a very personal level, like with their children. Sometimes when you walk into a home, you become one dimensional. Your value becomes these specific things in your identity. So for me, it was being Columbia educated and bilingual. It can mean that, oh, that's really cool. Now you have Spanish. So use your Spanish in this job without it being like an additional skill we asked for. And then there's people who are like, oh, no, we are hiring you because we love this skill of yours. And therefore, we will compensate you accordingly. There's some people where my Columbia degree doesn't mean anything just because the nature of the job is simpler. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to assume you're dumb, which can happen as well. And sometimes my Columbia degree gives me more personhood or only just adds to my perfectly plastic Barbie toy persona to them where it's not anything other than an accessory versus like an element of where I come from, what I know and who I am. They go to their friends and they're like, oh my God, I have this amazing girl. She's from Minnesota. And like, your kids will love her. You're like, oh, I just went from being fully in color to an outline. Having this opportunity to shed light on some of these behaviors, it's the opportunity to share stories of many out there as well. I work in this world, but I live in a different world. You really see the different realities that people have. People will leave me with their kids for like weeks. Kids ask me like around Christmas time, oh, where are you going to go for the holidays? Do you go to Paris or Tokyo? That's where my mommy and daddy go. And I'm just like, no, like I've never even been. There have been clients who are like, I want salmon from Alaska. And I'm like, we're in New York. So what do you want me to do? And like, they will pay for a private jet to go to Alaska, to go to a fisherman, to get the fish and bring it back. Like I've had clients literally, I've had a supermodel literally tell me, I'm a big name. You should be happy that you're working here. This past year, I worked with this person while he was filming. In that job, I think I cried probably almost every single day for two months. And it wasn't just me. It was like all the staff involved. I don't know. I just really feel like it's an American thing. Mm. In America, there are so, so, so many opportunities to you know, attain fame and fortune. And then it is super glamorized. It's crazy because while this wealth gap continues to grow in those wealthy homes, I'm finding kids are at times growing up with less empathy or understanding because they lack a financially, ethnically, and racially diverse community to help raise them. And I also think about all the workers who are leaving their family and their kids, that next generation, in order to take care of the ones in the fancy apartments, etc. Or those who are putting off families of their own because they can't afford it. Or they're putting all their energy into raising other people's kids. That makes me wonder, like, have you met 
someone where you feel like they have qualities that are actually good or redeeming yes. qualities? I've had a lot of clients that are normal people and they just happen to get rich. Mm. But yep. I've had a client years ago. He said they didn't want kids. Right. And I was like, so why did you have three of them? He said, because I didn't want to die and my money would sit in the bank. It's my money. I worked for it and I will have control where it goes. And it's going to be like someone that has the same genetics as me. This isn't even the craziest story that Anisia has. Anisia, can you share? So like, where do I even start? So I am booked on this job as a chef through like an agency or like a concierge service. I don't know these people. They funded Hillary Clinton's campaign and things like that. So they're all very new to me. It's an Upper West Side home. They give me the address. They give me the menu. I show up. And the woman comes down and she's like, are you Anisia? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, are you legal to work in the U.S.? And I think that was the moment where I knew that this was going to be a thing. This was the first question this woman asks. And mind you, Anisia is coming from an agency that vets people. And then I started to kind of go through the house. I'm talking like statues in the middle of the living room and doorknobs that are like silver shined and the spiral staircases that you see in scary movies and actual maids throughout the entire home. I totally remember watching those movies where you see the people in maid outfits. And that's what this place was. These women in black and white, shining doorknobs, glasses, cabinets, and even a laundry person ironing linens. This woman comes down the stairs and complains about it smelling like food while Anisia's cooking. She even complains about Anisia's attire. She's like, are you going to change your outfit? And I'm like, no, this is what I'm wearing. I have a chef outfit and an apron, like this is it. So this mm -hmm. woman sends housekeepers to find me things to wear. I'm like, this is bizarre. And then they can't find anything. And she's like, can you go home? And I was like, I live in Brooklyn. And she freaks out. Miraculously, someone does find her an outfit that's up to par for the standard of this woman. And Anisia goes to change. The woman's husband? He wasn't any better. Her husband comes down. He's like, I want a vodka soda. And I'm like, okay, it's two in the afternoon. Sure. He pours a triangle of vodka soda and he drinks it. And then he just starts screaming at all the different staff for all the different things. Things that are almost out of their control. The killer part for me was another staff member came up to me with a pager. And she's like, you have to wear this pager. And I was like, what is this? Like, for what? And she's like, this is how they're able to buzz you. And I was like, buzz me for what <laughs> she's like we all have to wear them and this is how they buzz for service and so i found out that under the dinner table were like buttons so each seat had a oh button you are coming to someone's home and sitting at their table and you are allowed to press a button don't have to get up don't have to say a word at some point this woman finally apologized but not to her staff to her guests. She's like clinking the glasses and she's like, hello, everyone. I would just like to welcome mm -hmm. you to my beautiful home. Thank you all for coming. It's been a pleasure. I just want to make an announcement. My original chef was not able to make it. And unfortunately, my concierge sent the most awful chef that they could find. And I'm really sorry that the service is just not up to par. 
Her outfit is not how we usually present our staff members. But I can assure you that the dinner will be delicious and we've approved the food and we're going to have a good time. And I'm like, I'm standing right there and I'm just like, in what world is that okay? This kind of behavior is absolutely outrageous. And while I've never experienced it to the degree that Anisia has... I have had some level of this interaction. And the other element to this is not only are you dealing with this emotionally and mentally, but sometimes there's even a physical danger, especially when kids try to run away from you into oncoming traffic or if you have a violent adult client. And I remember specifically in those moments, I could feel my body trying to figure out if we were freezing, fighting or flying and the mental gymnastics that go along in that. Anisia and I broke this down a little bit together. You go into survival mode and you're like, okay, how do I just get through the next hour or the next two hours? Or say it was a contracted job where you were set to work for four to six weeks. You start to think about, am I going to need this money for the next four to six weeks? Am I going to need this reference for the job? Am I going to be able to suck it up and finish the six weeks? I also know she has very little vacation time, and also deals with several chronic illnesses. Not only is she dealing with emotional burdens from her clients, but she's also dealing with her own personal pressures. I also know the pandemic made them worse. I think the pandemic was very hard for people who worked in homes because you saw a different reality. You watched the news and you saw people losing their jobs, people not having housing, people getting evicted, you know, hospitals overbooked, things like that. And you go into these homes and they have private health care. Their businesses are still going. They're not losing any jobs. In fact, they're making more money. More from Anisio when we come back from this break. When something happens to your car... You might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through global dining access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated, 
we're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman, some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. While, you know, us regular folks experienced the pandemic in one way, the wealthy had a completely different experience. They got to have multiple nannies, multiple tutors, personal chefs and drivers coming in and out of the city so that they didn't have to deal with the potential of getting COVID while they were going on a grocery run or that kind of thing. Overall, it just reminds me how these people have insane access to things and don't necessarily have to endure the same way most of the world has to. It's funny because even with the ability to have access to so many things, these people still only want to pay for things based off of their own particular definition of what that means. I was actually talking to a nanny friend about this the other day. The family that she works for, they're actually really big restauranteurs in New York. And they're just like not being nice to her. In the pandemic, they paid her to be off. Like when we couldn't go anywhere, they Mm -hmm. were like, okay, we'll still pay you until everything opens back up. And then when things opened back up, they were like, you owe us that money back. That threat of being taken advantage of is always at play. But the crazy thing is, it also shifts depending on if you're an American-born worker or if you're an immigrant domestic worker. And not only that, but then are you like of color or are you white? And do you have an accent or do you not? All of these factor into how you're treated in a household. And when I've walked into those spaces and Anissi and I discuss this, there's a sense of responsibility of being a woman of color 
who is the child of immigrants, you want to take care of the people who may not have a voice. That's another like part of the job that I just took on was being almost like a defense attorney for housekeepers, women that barely speak English and, you know, they're getting abused and they're getting underpaid. This hits close to home because I think about my mom, who was the first personal chef, the first nanny and the first personal assistant that I ever knew. I think about the fact that her immigration status didn't quite let her work above table to help us through. So there was always the potential of being underpaid or abused. And I think we lucked out partially when my mom ran a daycare from our house which was mostly folks who were from our same working class or middle class background. But while that was a beautiful moment, I also know my mom worked really hard and was overworked and was looking after 10 kids and trying to raise her kids at the same time. I have memories throughout my entire time growing up where My mom and sometimes my dad as well would be treated differently because of their accent. They would be seen as stupid or slow when they are brilliant and quick-witted and incredibly compassionate. And knowing how people can get when they hear you or they assume something because of your position is really difficult to deal with. And the fact that I can't control how people will react to either my mom or the other workers. And I can't save them from that treatment. The only things I can do is advocate for people in the space. And I can do what I'm doing here, which is exposing it. And hopefully we can all pitch in to course correct. So my parents were able to overcome figure out, work through (laughs) their difficulties and the things they endured in order to achieve the American dream or their version of it. What do you want for your life? Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Do you personally want to continue in this industry? I don't want to continue this industry. (laughs) This is kind of what I've been thinking about the past couple of years and why I decided to launch my own startup. I did come to a breaking point in the pandemic and I was like, how do I transition out of this career? Right. Eventually I want to have kids and get married and have a house and things like that. And I thought, could I actually come home from these jobs? Like to my own children, to my own family, like absolutely not. And so that's what really inspired me to create Kids Table, which is like a meal delivery startup service for families in New York and eventually will hope to like branch out into other cities. Mm -hmm. I've experienced, you know, so much trauma and like mistreatment in this industry. I just feel like it is my duty to create a business and a platform that can provide jobs to people and pay them fairly, treat them well, offer them mental health and treat them as equals. A lot of times when I was nannying, I was always like, I can't wait to be rich so that I can hire a nanny and I can treat her really nice and pay her really well. It's interesting that you mentioned like when I'm rich and I'm like, oh, so there's the aspiration, it seems like, to become part of this class in some way. 
there is an aspiration to become part of this class, but to like figure out a way to change it and figure out a way that there isn't this industry standard anymore as a minority to give other minorities opportunity to know that you don't need to go through these things. You know, oftentimes you do these jobs and they make you feel very, very less than almost like inadequate. Yeah. I'm learning this now because, you know, I created this business. It is a startup and I have been telling clients about it. And the feedback is very interesting. Some clients are very supportive and they're like, oh my God, this is really cool. But then you also have these people who are in shock because they're like, you created a business, like you were my help. Right. Like, yeah, you were of service to me. Like how, how did you even have the resources? It's those types of stigmas that I just want to completely definitely I want them to be gone (laughs) right that's definitely interesting that with this idea of who the help should be right we limit their potential even like remembering that everyone can dream because I think when we put that label in that stigma we limit the potential and possibility of individuals to grow and change and who gets to succeed yes I think if people who are from oppressed minority groups are also sitting at those tables and can also say, you know, actually that's not okay. I want to be that person that's like, no, absolutely not. And I want to have the power to do so. We're equals at this point. Right. That's like the biggest reason why I would want to be rich is to fully normalize black, brown, minority women to be yeah. in spaces. I think that's when things will change. That's where like socioeconomic status matters a lot. Yeah, it's kind of hard when you've lived in wealth your whole life to like see the full picture. How do we help people come up and have a seat at the table versus have already been born into it? Yeah, the more people from all shapes and backgrounds, right? Yeah, who can have a seat at the table, the more we're better off in general. It's fun to believe in the potential of a Robin Hood like persona, but. Talking to Anisia, I can't help but think the reality that not everyone has that potential to dream of reaching that class. I think about how fortunate Anisia and I are to be able to freely tell you these crazy stories and the reality that there are thousands of more workers who don't get to share these stories the people who I asked to join us on this podcast who were too scared to share it because they still work for people like this. And they still are attached to those circles with no other way to create a source of income beyond these homes. And if you are going through this, it's actually a lot of an emotional roller coaster. And I just want to honor the people who go into those homes every day. I don't think either of us are saying necessarily that these jobs shouldn't exist. I value every single person who has ever helped me, who has ever bought me dinner, who has ever given me advice, ultimately has helped me succeed. And... I think for me, approaching it as like, we are here because we have people we rely on. Like, I am able to pursue a career because I have a nanny. It's understanding the intricate connectivity that we have no matter what class, no matter what job. And 
we are capable of doing what we want to do because other people are doing what they want to do and some people who don't get to do what they want to do, which is the hard part. So to acknowledge that complexity is why this episode also exists. Is there anything that you wish people would know about the industry or you think that like the world would be a better place if fill in the blank? I think the world would be a much better place if people did not glamorize these types of individuals or this status. I tell friends about the jobs that I have. Oh, I got to go into this person's house and that person's house. And they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. You're so lucky. They say these things as if it was a privilege. And I think the world needs to know that it is far from privilege to be able to work with the privilege. So we've opened the door to one world in the New York ecosystem. And on the next episode of When You're Invisible, we'll be opening the door to another. This specific group of people that we'll be talking about are the crew workers who cleaned up New York after 9-11. We're going to go downtown to Wall Street, the site of what was the Twin Towers, which is now the Freedom Tower and the 9-11 Memorial. Amongst this gorgeous tribute to that awful day is the ghosts of those who not only passed the day of the event, but the people who passed because of all the illnesses that they got from working on the site and helping New York return to its glory. That's on the next episode of When You're Invisible. Tune in in a week. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to When You're Invisible and for joining me on this journey. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You can find this episode and future ones on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host and creator, Maria Fernanda Diez, with executive producers Anna Stumpf, Nikki Itour, and Giselle Vances, producers Dylan Hoyer, Arlene Santana, and Pablo Cabrera, with associate producer Claudia Martí-Corena, and post-production producer Daisy James. Original theme music by Tony Bruno. When You're Invisible is an iHeart Podcast Network production in partnership with My Cultura Podcast Network. When are you an American Express member? When you travel with the American Express Platinum Card and have access to Centurion Lounges at over 40 locations worldwide, you're a member. When your American Express Platinum Card gets you seated at exclusive tables at renowned restaurants through Global Dining Access by Resi, you're a member. When you arrive at live events through dedicated American Express card member entrances at select venues, yeah, you're a member. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar 20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital, así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar 20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yes. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience. And stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.